We were never the sort of family to have something like this happen, because, aside from anything else, we were the sort of family who had always been very much alive. My dad died at the end of 2021. It was a shock, especially as I had only just moved out of my parents' home a few months previously, and I was still finding my feet in my first relationship. It felt like this should have been an exciting time of new beginnings. Dad and I were very different, and at times I worried I could be too much for him. For example, I was brought up to resist any unnecessary dramatics. For my parents, this was an uphill struggle. For goodness sake, the scout leader doesn't hate you. He doesn't think you're a fool. You just fell over in the mud and he lifted you out and that was all. And picked me up by the back of my coat and carried me across the finish line because I was so slow and everyone was laughing. You're being dramatic. Not everyone was laughing. Most of the others had started heading home. That's even worse. Well, maybe the scouts aren't for you. As anyone who read my last book knows, I've always felt different better even than everyone else. I've always loved being formal, by which I mean wearing suits, studying etiquette manuals, and setting the table elaborately. As a small child, I didn't have many friends, mainly because I would tell the other children that I was an emperor. In contrast, my dad was quite a direct working-class man from south-east London, who had worked as an electrician, a car salesman, and a coach driver. Not that he couldn't still be sensitive to people's rudeness and the coarseness of the world, though, and would exclaim, Charming! sarcastically in his London accent, if he found himself affronted. He had the best heart, and rather than poetic mantras, and in contrast to my quasi-posh outlook, would say things like, Shove it! to dismiss anything stressful. On certain occasions, when trying to impart to me not to overdo things, he would even use the phrase, Look, Tom! There's a difference between scratching your ass and tearing the skin, which was charming indeed. As you'll see in the essays that follow, it was advice I probably should have heeded more. Despite my flirtations with imagined grandiosity, I finished my last book with a sense that maybe my life had only been half-lived. I was 37 and had never been in a relationship. I could barely drive a car, I hated the suburbs, namely my hometown of Bromley, and I was living at home with my parents with a desperate sense, which I'd carried since childhood, that I should stay at home to protect them. Somehow, me being there meant, in my mind at least, that I could protect my mum, Irene, and dad, Paul, from invisible foes, and at the same time cling to the hands of the clock and stop time moving forward. Alas, owing to my mother's penchant for more modern interior design, most of the clocks are in fact digital. Now, as I write this new book, the changes wrought do seem to warrant the term dramatic. I'm sitting in the back bedroom of my own house, which is firmly and very happily in the suburb of Bromley, just three minutes from my family home. I have a boyfriend, Alfie, who looks out at me from my phone screen, and I write this wearing jogging bottoms and a hoodie because, actually, they are quite comfortable. It dawns on me that maybe I'm not that different to everyone else after all, and I find that prospect truly terrifying. Despite our differences, I've come to realise that Dad and I showed we cared about each other in different, less obvious ways. What follows here are snapshots in time, moments when I realised that Dad was with me, whether I was in suburban Bromley or somewhere around the world. What I've come to know is that he was there more than I realised, and I hope that in some way he always will be. You can never have too much love. 
Dad said this to me once whilst he was making me some breakfast, probably a bacon sandwich. It struck me as surprisingly sentimental, but then he could be like that sometimes.